TFA fam, welcome to another episode of the TFA Dino Show. I'm Robbie Jeffries at NFL Robbie on Twitter, rolling solo once again, recovering from another Cowboys playoff disappointment. Um, that's that's all I want to say on that. You know, scratch that. That's all I can say on that. Without going into a deep dark place, I would hate to turn this podcast into an explicit content rant. Uh, it wouldn't be good. So instead, we're not going down that sad, dark road. We take a road more often traveled. We're going to continue to delve into the redrafting of the 2021 rookie class. Last week, we did round one of a Superflex rookie redraft, and today we are doing round two. So let's see how we feel about these rookies, uh, not one through 12, but now we're going even deeper into the bag, 13 through 24. How have they changed? How has their value changed from when we did our rookie drafts in May, June, July-ish time to now here in January 2022? So uh, again, I, I said this in uh, the previous podcast last week when we did round one, it, it is important to do this because uh, we need to evaluate what these rookies have done. You know, we do all this work on them as prospects pre-draft, right? But what do we do after they've played, right? We, we just kind of lump them in with everybody else and we say, all right, on to the next class. No, let's look at them, look at what they did and, and see if we can find value before free agency happens, before these rookies, these 2022 rookies have landed on some of these teams. And, and let's find some perceived value that doesn't match up with where they're going in drafts right now here in, in, in January and February when we're doing these mocks. So before I take us into round two, let's review round one of the 2021 rookie redraft that I did last week. With the 101, I took Jamar Chase, followed that up with Trevor Lawrence at the 102. Kyle Pitts went at 103, Justin Fields 104. 105 was Javante Williams, Najee Harris at 106, Jalen Waddell at 107, Zach Wilson at 108. The 109 was Rashad Bateman. The 110, this one is the one that's going to be most controversial, probably least consensus of the, all the picks that I have here. That would be Trey Lance at the 110 position. I have him a lot lower than most others, I would say, in this redraft process. 111, Travis Etienne, and 112, Elijah Moore. Real quick, let's talk about Thrive Fantasy because it's something that I continue to, to play each and every week. So, yes, my Cowboys did get eliminated, as I said earlier. No, I am not over it, but what can help uh, me get over this and what has helped me get over this is winning money on Thrive Fantasy. How does it work? 10 props. You basically choose 10 props out of a list of 20 available for any specific contest. So your Tom Brady passing over under, your Travis Kelsey touchdown over under. You basically just pick 10 of the 20 that are listed, and each prop is assigned a fantasy value uh, for both the over and then the under based on how likely it is to hit. So uh, if it's something that's not likely to go over, you're going to get more points if you do pick the over, less points if you pick the under. Score enough points and you win part of the prize pool. But I also enjoy not only these contests, but I enjoy doing the house props as well. Basically, these are just straight up kind of betting props. You pick between two and four players to to hit their specific prop. And if they hit, you win. Simple as that. So 
Um, normally I am a low uh, better, right? I'm only doing five or $10 bets. So uh, my best knowledge is the $5 bets, right? $5 for, for doing a parlay of just two players pays out 18. It's fantastic. I'm, I'm hitting two right. It feels like every, you know, second, every third option and I'm, I'm getting that money back, right? If you spend three of them, that's 15 bucks. So you just have to hit one of them and you make money. If you do a parlay of four players and you hit it, all four players, you get 55 bucks back for the five that you put in. So really good payouts coming from, from Thrive Fantasy. When you use the promo code TFA, when you sign up, you will receive a 100% match up to 100 bucks. So you throw in 50, you're getting 50. You throw in 75, you're going to get 75. You throw in 100, you're going to get 100 free dollars added into that account, $200 to play with. So make sure you go download the Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Google Play Store or by visiting their website thrivefantasy.com. Better sign up and prop up. Okay, let's dive into the second round of our Superflex 2021 rookie redraft. And there is a guy that I'm sure many people noted that I left out. It's a wide receiver that a lot of people probably had as the second, uh, maybe third wide receiver, depending on how things shook out in your you know, July-ish drafts, right? Um, and that would be Devonta Smith, right, uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. And it was a super weird year for Devonta. He came into the NFL with so much hype. He he lands on the Eagles who desperately need a wide receiver one, right? So it's a great, you know, landing spot, not a position where it's crowded for targets. And, and we thought the stage was kind of set for his rookie season, right? But Eagles go and they don't throw as much as we thought they would. Only 30 times, less than 30 times per game. Uh, Jalen Hurts uh, improves his accuracy from 2020, but still it's not at a point where he's being super efficient with the ball. And, and so there's accuracy issues that are applied throughout the season. And, you know, despite all that, Devonta ends up with 64 receptions for 916 yards. So a lot of good uh, yards per the catches he did get and, and five touchdowns to go along with that. So it's a really nice rookie season. So how can I leave him out of the first round, right? It's kind of blasphemy for him to be down here at the 201. Uh, but for me, there's just a lot of questions that surround that offense. And I think we saw it here in the playoffs against the Bucs. I mean, obviously the Bucs are a fantastic defense, fantastic team. Um, but we saw, it seemed like every other game, we just saw that offense be so stagnant. First quarter, second quarter, third quarter. It, it took them until garbage time, fourth quarter for them to normally get any production out of that passing game. And that happened more often than it didn't. And so they don't even need to throw more. They just need to be more efficient as an offense. Can they be more efficient in that pass game? Can Devonta Smith improve on his 61% catch rate? You know, that answer is hard to give uh, with the uncertainty of quarterback. Obviously, you know, I kind of mentioned the accuracy issues, you know, Hertz most likely is going to be that starter again in 2022. I think he had enough good play as well for all the, the bad play that I'm talking about. He did have, you know, those other games where he was uh, really accurate, uh, driving the ball down the field, finding Goddard, finding Devonta Smith. And, and he did have a lot of good games as well. And I think he showed enough in a class where there's no quarterbacks that are just jumping off the page uh, to be drafted. Um, not that the Eagles have a high draft pick. I believe they're like 13, 14 and 16 or something like that. They have three kind of right there in the middle. You know, I think Hertz comes back and, and is the starter. So, you know, are they going to have a capable backup kind of pushing him like a Gardner Minshew that they had in 2021, or are they going to draft a rookie and maybe have uh, Hertz be the starter and have them battle out? I, I think that can be the case as well. And, you know, so I'll take some of these other wide receivers over Devonta Smith, you know, until I see that this is going to be an offense that either passes more, or they become more efficient as passers. Um, just, we just worried about 
uh, that upside for what I think is a really good player. And I know situations change, but he's going to finish just right outside the 201, right behind Elijah Moore for me. One of the biggest separations between consensus uh, January 2022 DLF ranking ADP and my ranking that I'm doing right now here as we do this um, rookie redraft is going to be this player right here. He is consensus sixth um, by DLS mocks. They do about four or five mocks each month. And, and he was sixth for them for DLF's Dynasty ADP. And he is down here at the 202 for me, number 14th overall. And that's Mac Jones. And it's not because Mac Jones played poorly. Obviously, he out of all the rookies, he probably had uh, the most success as a real-life NFL quarterback, led his team to the playoffs. Um, they did have an early exit, and, and he had a bad showing against Buffalo. Buffalo is a pretty solid defense, even without Tredavious White. But my problem with Mac Jones is not his actual quarterback play. It's his fantasy output, right? You can be a good quarterback and not be great for fantasy, just like we were talking about Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts' actual quarterback play uh, is not the best all the time, but he was a fantastic fantasy option, actually. So those two things aren't always uh, coinciding, right? What does he need to do to become a better real-life quarterback? Well, he's got to put up some better numbers. That's just it. He doesn't have a rushing floor, and that's always going to hurt him. So he has to be much better passing the ball. So despite that real-life success where he's completing 68% of his passes, he has 22 touchdowns, only 13 interceptions, he's a below-average fantasy quarterback because he starts all 17 games, and he only has three weeks of at least 20 fantasy points. In those weeks, he was the quarterback nine, quarterback seven, quarterback seven. So he's barely inside the top 10 on his best weeks. And actually, his best finish came, you know, in, in a weird week. It was an oddly low scoring week for quarterbacks. There was four teams on by. He has 19 points. And he ends up being the quarterback four. So technically, highest finish is a, is a quarterback four, uh, although it was a little bit of weird of a week. So we basically have a, a quarterback whose best weeks, which was only three of his 17 games, um, he's barely cracking top 10. And so you look at the flip side, he's scoring under 12 fantasy points in over half of his games, nine games. He scored under 12 fantasy points and he finished with a lower points per game total than big Ben, Sam Darnold and, and Trevor Simeon. So we are talking about a lot of struggles fantasy wise, not real actual quarterback. And I think he did a really good job managing that offense um, for Josh McDaniels. But in terms of fantasy success, he, he was definitely a quarterback two, quarterback three sometimes, um, just depending on the week. So, you know, part of that reason I kind of stated earlier, is no rushing floor to kind of prop him up. But the other is issue is definitely fixable. It's his offensive weapons and just his his experience, right? So being a rookie first year, most likely going to improve, get better. But then also can his offensive weapons improve? He's basically playing with Hunter Henry, who caught uh, quite a few touchdowns from him, but and then nobody else um, really there. We have a group of wide receiver twos basically on any other team. Uh, the Patriots could absolutely look to improve on the likes of Jacoby Myers, uh, Kendrick Bourne. And if that happens and Mac adjusts and continues to improve at the NFL level, you know, I do expect his numbers to improve. However, I, I just don't see him being the consistent quarterback one that we want to see from our super flex quarterbacks, given his low floor. And if he doesn't have a productive passing day, I don't know if that, if that consistency is going to be there. So there's still something to be said about quarterback twos and super flex. And I think he'd be, you know, a solid quarterback two here in, in his future. Um, and in a super flex league, that's definitely something that is admirable. That's why he is in the early second here for me. But yeah, unless everything comes together for him, I definitely see kind of a middling quarterback two in his future. So 
to the 203 we go. Michael Carter, my guy, Kevin Steele, godfather of TFA. He asked me to turn in my Michael Carter uh, truther card, right? Because I didn't put him in the first round. He said, you know, you got to turn that in. You don't love Michael Carter as much as you proclaim that you do. And and I'm here to say it, you know, I'm a huge fan of Michael Carter. This, this 203 ranking is not indicative of, of me saying I do not like him as a player. I think he's fantastic. I love what he does on the football field. It's just there's we have to acknowledge that there's obstacles that he has to overcome to get into that first round for me. One, this is a, a really solid class to begin with, so it's going to push everybody down. Two, he kind of comes from what I would call the Austin Eckler tree of running back classification, right? He's a smaller receiving back who does enough as a rusher that he's not really considered this satellite back or a receiving specialist, you know, a la James White. As I say that, though, he's probably not getting 250 carries in a season. Austin Eckler has his most successful season, and he just barely cracks 200 carries, right? 206 was his total here in 2021. And so his relevance in fantasy is going to come off his pass-catching ability and, and Carter's ability to score. And I think he did well at, at both of these things in 2021. You know, he found the end zone four times, had, I think it was like 35 catches in 10 games. 36 catches, and, and actually in 14 games, uh, 11 started, just looking that up. Um, so 14 games, 36 catches. So, so that's going to go up, right? You know, most likely not splitting time with Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, somebody there. He's going to split time with somebody, right? But, but who isn't splitting time in, in a running back backfield these days? So Carter it could be a value at, at this 203, but he definitely has a, you know, he has to get to a level where he is producing in the end zone and, and he is catching I'd say probably 60 plus passes a season um, for him to get there. So for now he ha he has some obstacles to overcome, but um, definitely the ability to rise up and get into that first round. The 204, another running back. This would be the running back five, running back five. And that is Elijah Mitchell. And this is another name you can argue should maybe be in the first round, right? We had the argument for, for Michael Carter. And I could probably make an argument for Elijah Mitchell as well. And honestly, if it wasn't for the draft capital and running back longevity in this sport, if those weren't in consideration, both of these running backs, Carter and Mitchell, would be in the first round. However, both are day three guys. And yes, that does matter. I know there's a lot of people that say once they're drafted, once the season's in, the draft capital doesn't matter. Teams forget about that. And, you know, just statistically, that's that's not shown to be true. You know, I can count on one hand how many day three running backs have been top 24 running backs for at least two of their seasons. I mean, we're talking about Aaron Jones, Devonta Freeman, Chris Carson, Latavius Murray, Jordan Howard. It feels like half these guys have been on the Ravens this year. You know, I'll even add in a sixth name, Alfred Morris, although we're 10 years removed from his draft class. So there's six names right but there's been on on the flip side 150 ish other names that have not panned out as day three running backs right and so six out of 150 we're talking about four or five percent so while it's rare and it's extremely rare you know it's not impossible for for michael carter and elijah mitchell to have sustained success but um, we're definitely talking about the the very small minority managed to break through that so Mitchell did have a fantastic season. You know, things went right for him with Mostert going down and Sermon struggling as a rookie. 
and he definitely capitalized on it, right? He became the main back for the 49ers in 2022, and he didn't really look back whenever he was healthy. And that's the big, when he was healthy, it feels like the 49ers running backs find the blue medical tent as often as they find the end zone, right? And Mitchell had four different injuries uh, throughout the season, and it caused them caused him to miss six games. So couple that with the fact that he didn't really show a lot of pass catching. Like he, he can do it, but it's just not something that I don't think the 49ers want to have him do. If they're going to do that, they're probably going to run Debo out of the backfield. Uh, we saw Debo really eat into that, that carry load kind of as RB two, if you, if you will splitting with uh, Mitchell, especially towards the end of the season, but there's just enough risks with Mitchell to keep him in the second round for me as a day three pick, you know, as a guy that doesn't catch a ton of passes, there's just enough where I can't have him in the first round. At the 205, we have Amon Ra St. Brown, and what a fantastic finish uh, for this guy's season. Uh, from weeks 13 through 18, St. Brown outscored every single wide receiver not named Cooper Cup. Let that sink in for a second. Every single wide receiver except for Cooper Cup, he outscored through the, first, through the last, what's that, six weeks of the season? And that's, 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 that's really good. I mean, that's really good for a rookie. And I can even go back farther, you know, before their bye week in week nine, week eight on, he was a top six wide receiver in points per game. So, I mean, it's not just a smallish sample size of six weeks. I can back that up and make it, you know, an eight, nine week sample size. So uh, we just have the season. So I'm on Ross St. Brown, fantastic season, fantastic run really. And he took advantage of, his opportunity. And I think on the flip side, this is an opportunity for you guys. People who manage have Amon Ross St. Brown on their roster. I think this is a good time to take your opportunity and sell high on a high floor, low ceiling type of player who just happened to ball out. Because if we remember correctly, you know, as he's making this incredible run, who's not there, TJ Hawkinson goes out, you know, week 13 misses the rest of the season. You know, DeAndre Swift goes out, I think it was like week 12. He came back kind of later in the season, uh, but he missed a big stretch there. And those are two of the best players offensively and best pass catchers on that offense. So I think, you know, that is definitely part of why St. Brown went on this tear, right? So you have that with the wide receiver room, right? Is He's not he's not sharing the wide receiver room with a bunch of studs, right? We have Cleef Raymond. We have Josh Reynolds. We have Trinity Benson. Trinity Benson? Like we didn't know who this was before the year started. And so I'm going to assume that the Lions address this CFL-worthy lineup in the free agency or the draft or both. And so that's going to be another comp- competition for targets, right? So, you know, while St. Brown did dominate uh, with 90 catches for 912 yards, five touchdowns, just a really, really good rookie season that I do not want to take away from him. I wouldn't be shocked. This is one of his better seasons and he's likely going to be third in the pecking order. If not even worse, if they bring in a high, you know, a high profile wide receiver into Detroit this off season. So that doesn't bode well for a slot wide receiver who just lives off of volume, right. With all these other pass catchers involved. So with that said, I traded a St. Brown for Mike Evans. And I also got a, what was equivalent? We do, we do a cash league. It's basically equivalent of a 2022 third round pick. So I got Evans and a third for St. Brown. I just thought that was fantastic value. Wanted to sell high on him. And uh, Christian Welch also of TFA. He got Amon Ross St. Brown off his roster and acquired a 2022 first and a 2022 second. So 
I just think it's a really good sell high opportunity. So wanted to note that, but with what he did, we, we can't ignore that either. That's why he's here in the middle of the, of the second round at the two Oh five spot, but also a really good sell high candidate. All right. At the two Oh six, if it weren't for a man named Kyle Pitts, Pat Fryermuth probably has a, a lot more hype in a normal tight end class. He's probably the top pick, right? Uh, if we think back to the 2020 class, Cole Komet was the type was the top tight end off the board. I think in the second round, I bet Pat Fryermuth goes before him. He's going to be the number one tight end in that class. He just happened to have a freak of nature in his class with him, and so you know we need to look at him, separate Kyle Pitts from this conversation, and just look at how Pat Fryermuth performed and and the prospect he was coming in and you know he really did well I I thought Eric Ebron and him were going to split you know normally rookie tight ends they take a little bit especially if there's a vet in front of them they really don't get involved too much right away it happened with Kosicki happened a little bit with Mark Andrews you know Dawson Knox you know I can go on this list of tight ends that don't break out till the second third fourth season right and Pat Frymer kind of did it in his first right we were talking about seven touchdowns he only manages 497 yards, but he has 60 catches. And, you know, a lot of that, you know, yardage or lack of yardage, I should say, has to do with Big Ben and kind of that failing arm strength, right? I mean, lowest A dot on, on his passes. Uh, if you see a spray chart of his throws, it just makes you sick. Behind the line of scrimmage, five yards, four yards. And so with Ben retiring, there is a decent size question mark at quarterback. And with that, Murky situation. I still like Frymuth's talent, right? Whenever I have both situation and talent, I'm going to normally lean towards the talent to overcome situation because situations change, right? We talked about it last week. Situations do change. And so um, I unfortunately traded away my only share of Frymuth in the offseason. It was part of a package to get Tyreek Hill. I was making a, a run at the championship, which I did not get, but I'm hoping to get a share or two back. Uh, this offseason, see if I can, you know, take advantage of, of owners that are looking towards these rookies coming up and they're forgetting about these sophomores. Because, again, this is why we're doing this, because these sophomores seem to get a little bit forgotten about, especially if they didn't have fantastic years. So with Big Ben exiting, maybe people are worried about Friar Muth. I'm going to be looking to acquire him, you know, especially in rebuilds, right, that, that we can wait another year. Maybe he kind of puts up similar numbers in 2023 is a year where we really pay off on that investment. All right, at the 207, you know, I rarely chase Patriots running backs after Sonny Michelle broke my heart, but, you know, Ramonde Stevenson showed enough this year where he is warranted a second-round selection here at the 207. You know, he'd be higher, but there's just too much volatility in the Belichick offense, you know, the Josh Daniels Belichick offense from week to week. You know, you never really feel confident in any of these running backs, they won't randomly get pulled, put on inactive, put in the doghouse, if you will, bench midway through the game. Stevenson was no exception to this. You know, he had an up and down roller coaster of a year in 2021, and he only exceeded 50% of the snaps three times in 2021, which was basically as many games as he spent on the inactive list, right? So we have three games of inactive, three games where he's exceeding 50% of the snaps, and the rest is just in this split backfield with Damian Harris, with Brandon Bolden, feel like there's another guy in the mix. Can't think of anybody else right now, though, so maybe that was it. He did have three games of over 100 total yards, and he found the end zone five times. And then so that's why, you know, he makes it here because he did all that while he's backing up Damian Harris. And Damian Harris has been injured from time to time. And when he was, Stevenson stepped up, and he, and he showed well, uh, especially in an offense run by a rookie quarterback. So with Harris going into the last year of his contract, 
think Stevenson showed enough where he can move the football when he's given the work. And he had 606 yards and just 133 carries. So he's efficient as a runner. And this potential future, if Damian Harris were to leave and Stevenson becomes the 1A, I know it's probably going to be a split backfield still, but that, that's what lands him in this middle of the second round. There is some excitement there. But the volatility of a Patriots running back room, you know, he, he didn't he's shown that he can catch the ball. They just don't use him that way. They have Brandon Bolden, they have other backs that can do that. You know, it, it kind of keeps his ceiling limited. So that's all the higher I can get him is 207. All right, at my 208, I have Josh Palmer, who was one of the more shocking names called in the third round of the NFL draft. We, we had just a litany of wide receivers, and then you hear Josh Palmer going to the Chargers in the third. And there was some head scratching. People weren't really sure if that was a, a huge reach. Well, I think people really thought it was a huge reach. And I'll be honest, I'm not sure if Palmer's good at football yet. You know, he, he had some flashes at the end of the 2021 season. He had 28 targets in his last five games. He really showed out against the Giants. You know, with Mike Williams possibly out the door in free agency, I think Palmer has a nice opportunity to kind of slide in as that number two wide receiver behind a soon-to-be 30-year-old Keenan Allen. So, you know, we can't forget about Jalen Guyton, kind of the deep threat guy, which Herbert uh, likes to connect with, uh, also being there. But I want to see a little bit more from Palmer to, before I say he has it. And he's going to be, you know, a fantasy productive um, on more just a flashing basis. But he definitely made some big plays against the Giants. He plays bigger than his 6'1", 210-pound frame suggests. And he's an intriguing guy, especially given the situation with Mike Williams. So he's a name to monitor. Um, definitely a guy that's kind of under the radar if you want to throw out, you know, a, a 2022 third, see if you can flip that for Josh Palmer. I do think he has second-round value uh, here at the 208. Speaking of big frames, this is a guy that was kind of one of my – deeper round dynasty darlings here in the 2021 rookie draft. And that's Nico Collins uh, here at the 209. I honestly didn't really expect Nico Collins to do that much this year. He was just an incredibly raw wide receiver with a really limited route tree coming out of Michigan. You know, his big, his call uh, to fame is his size, his speed size combo, his ability to jump up and get the ball. You can just jump through the roof. Just a, just an athlete, right? 6'4", 215 pounds. He has a 34-arm, 34-inch uh, arm length, which is in the 96th percentile, just to quantify that. Yeah, big, big guy, right? Big guy. Dude's, this is, I expected this to be a redshirt season for him, and he actually turned it into a respectable 33 receptions for 446 yards and had a tutty. And, you know, maybe we see another year of Davis Mills. Maybe we see someone else come in. You know, I'm tempering my expectation either way. But I'm hopeful that we see more flashes from Nico Collins as he learns that route tree, as he learns the NFL nuances to play in the wide receiver position. You know, because as a raw guy, I thought he and Kadarius Tony were two of the more raw wide receivers, and both of them kind of popped at different points in the season. And so Nico Collins only being 23 here come March, I think he has – he's an interesting – I don't, I don't want to call him a dart throw because he's already kind of showing – you know, he you know I should say this. He showed – this on a really, really bad Texans team, right? Like if, if they get better with him and Brandon Cooks, I just feel like he he definitely can be a guy that is fantasy productive. All right, for me at the 210, speaking of big frames, a little sarcasm here. We're talking about Rondell Moore, you know, probably one of the bigger followers, consensus-wise and for me, 
this guy was a probably an early second, probably didn't make the the first round, but an early second pick back in July. And I think people overlooked his measurements at his pro day. You know, he was listed at five nine by Purdue. He ended up being five seven, and, and just a lot of people said, you know, not a big deal. I'm not going to worry about those two inches, and, and that's fair because you can dive too deep into that right size, BMI, height, hand size, all of that stuff. And it certainly isn't the end all be all right. Look at Kyler Murray and his stature doing, doing his things at the NFL level. A lot of other examples that just not at the top of my head, but certainly isn't impossible for a five, seven wide receiver to have success, right? Five, eight Wes Welker, I think kind of comes to mind, obviously very productive wide receiver. So it, it can be done, but we do have to factor in that it's, out of the norm for these guys to make it to the NFL. So Rondell Moore makes it even after injury history makes it because he is that athletic, that's that successful. And just that much of a, what he does when the ball is in his hand. Right. So being a statistical outlier already, when you make the NFL now to produce consistently for fantasy, we have to remember that at Purdue, his ADOT was so short, right? 5.1 yards. Uh, it was worst of all the rookies that came out, rookie wide receivers in 2021. And so it was already tough sliding for him to be productive. And I'm not throwing what he did out the window. He does have 54 receptions, 435 yards, has a touchdown, and then also, you know, isn't a bad ball carrier either. 18 rushes, 76 yards. I'm not throwing that out. He is one of the more athletic. He's going to be one of the most athletic guys out on a football field. If he's out there, he has talent. I just want to see him be less gadgety and turn into maybe more of a refined route runner. Because when he connects with Kyler, it looks really good. When we do some of these gadgety things, it's fine. It's not going to be consistent for fantasy. It can really help a team win actual NFL games, but you just can't rely on that for a week to week. Uh, in fantasy. So if he can turn into more of a route refined slot wide receiver, I think that's best case scenario for him. Uh, but then there's also the flip side of does he, does he ever kind of break into that? So that's why for me, he's back here. And, and I say this sadly, you know, it's, it's a guy I was excited about, but he's going to be here at the two ten, and I'm really hopeful that he proves me wrong and he just dominates here. We'll see what happens with, you know, Hopkins, A.J. Green probably out the door, probably more targets for him. Christian Kirk's a free agent, right? We didn't talk about that. So he definitely has the opportunity if things fall right um, in that room, that wide receiver room, for him to gain more targets. And and he absolutely could prove me wrong. All right, at the 211, we have Davis Mills. I know we all bagged on him, uh, me more than anybody else probably, because he was absolutely horrendous when he took over for Tyrod. But, but, but. He definitely improved. You know, his last six starts, he threw for over 300 yards in half of those games. He had 11 touchdowns during that span, only three interceptions. He was hashtag pretty good. And again, this is on a Texans team that doesn't have a ton of weapons. It's Brandon Cooks, a rookie in Nico Collins, a rookie in Brevin Jordans, Rex Burkhead, you know, and David Johnson at running back. So did David Mills do enough to be the starter in 2022? Maybe. I feel like it's kind of like Taylor Heineke last year, right? He kind of popped off at the end of the season. Watch football team kind of goes in. They're not sure. They bring Ryan Fitzpatrick to compete with him. And Ryan Fitzpatrick was probably going to win the job, uh, but he gets hurt. So 
I think it's something similar where they bring in a veteran to compete with him um, in 2022. I don't think they go back to drafting another rookie after they just took Davis Mills in the early third, I believe it was, really early in the third. So I think it's going to be like a Gardner Minshew, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, some some veteran who has a couple years, um, has a handful of starts under their belt. Um, but that uncertainty kind of keeps him at the end of the second for me, even in Superflex leagues, because small sample size, he did play well. He did improve. I like that stuff. That's why he's here. That said, there's a lot of question marks. Don't know if he's a long-term starter. 2-11 for me. All right, let's wrap this up with a 2-12. It's going to be a guy that everybody, everybody bagged on in the pre-draft process. My own co-host, Tom Corson, called him Lobster Hands, and that is none other than Kadarius Tony. You know, a quick, 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 quick honorable mention to Terrace Marshall. Wanted to try and fit him in here. Just couldn't do it. Did not show a ton in his rookie year, but I do still believe that he has talent. He's probably, if I were to keep going, I'm not going to do a third round, fourth round. This is going to be the end of, of this rookie redraft, but Terrace Marshall would be the next up at three or one. So I wanted to give him a quick shout out. Um, I went back, kind of back and forth between these two, but Marshall's kind of buried in that target pecking order in Carolina, you know, on the flip side, Tony, you know, he goes absolutely bonkers in the Cowboys game after having a really good uh, game against the saints. You know, I honestly, you know, watched that game being a Dallas Cowboys fan. I think it was more of an indication that the Dallas pass defense would actually wasn't that great. I know a lot of people think the Dallas defense was fantastic, but it was really masked by a lot of turnovers. Um, and I think Tony, with how twitchy he is and his, his his ability to get open, and they were garbage time, you know, playing more, not prevent defense, but playing back, nothing over the top. I do think that he kind of took advantage of that. Um, but, you know, that said, he, he put up, what was it, 186 yards? It's fantastic by a rookie. I didn't even think they had a backup. I think it might, Mike Glennon might have been the quarterback can't quite remember, but, you know, outside of those two games, he and the, the entire Giants offense were just really ugly, didn't do a whole ton, um, but he does have that home run ability. He is super twitchy. He is, he is hard to guard. He does have winnable traits, and and like I was saying when we were at Nico Collins, he was one of the more raw wide receivers coming in. He did not have a refined route tree, has been in this position a little bit less than other people coming in as a quarterback to Florida playing quarterback for a couple of years, backup at, at least. And so, you know, it remains to be seen what happens with Kadarius Tony, but he does have kind of a winning trait that I like to see. And so if I'm going to do kind of end of second round, early third round dart throws, it's going to be with traits, winnable traits. And, and his trait is being twitchy and just having home run ability. So that's it. We are done with a 2021 rookie Superflex redraft. Jump into the Discord because I know some people have thoughts on this. I know you guys disagree with me on some of these. Maybe Mac was too low. I know, I know people think maybe I had Trey Lance too low in the first round. Uh, Devonta Smith should he be in the first round? I know people have those thoughts. Uh, Rondell Moore, did I lower him too much? Should Davis Mills be higher? You know, all of these things. Uh, talk to me about guys that you like out of this class that you're looking to acquire in the offseason, right? This is the perfect time to look to acquire some of these guys. And, and where can we talk about it? It's in our Discord. TFA has a Discord for free. Link is in the episode description. Please jump in, join the conversation. We have just a ton of conversation. Right now, Dynasty's popping off, but there's still NFL playoffs. We have prop bets. We have DFS content that's still flowing out. So make sure you're jumping into all of that at our Discord. So let's recap real quick, just so everybody knows and can follow along as we get out of here. 201, Devonta Smith. 202, Mac Jones. 
Michael Carter and Elijah Moore at the 203-204 spot. Amon Ross St. Brown at 205. Pat Fryermuth, 206. 207 is Ronde Stevenson. 208 is Josh Palmer. Nico Collins at 209. Rondell Moore at 210. Then Davis Mills at 211. And Kadarius Tony rounding things out at the 212. So appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much. We have a ton of Dynasty content coming for you all offseason. Risers that we're buying, risers that we're fading, uh, who fell that we think could be a good trade target, who's our sell highs. I mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown being a guy that I'm selling high right now in my leagues. And of course, our 2022 rookie content. We are going to get into that. I know that's always what people are excited to hear about. First, let's finish putting a bow on 2021 as we grind through the tape for these 2022 rookies. We'll give them to you. Lots of player profiles coming your way. Make sure you check out Thrive Fantasy, code TFA to win a 100% match on your first deposit of 100 bucks. See you all next week. Not been two weeks from shore when down under our right whale bore The captain called all hands on swore He'd take that whale and tow Soon may the whale man come to bring us guarantee